The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Cover story. Cover a story or attain that coveted story. Get it? That is exactly what you want. Quoted as the expert, the story, headline, the spin. Every week, join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public. Your public. Craft your image. Promote your products. Create expert status. Become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101. Crisis management. Media blitzing. It's all here on Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Now, Cover Story presents exclusive coverage of the 2009 PRSA Silver Anvil Awards. Please welcome your host, Maria Retan. Hey, welcome to Cover Story. I'm Maria Retan. I'm sitting in today for Brandy Shapiro Babin, who's off making sure a convention goes flawlessly. And while I can in no way even begin to fill her shoes, I do have an absolutely fabulous guest that will make it worth your while to stick around, even though I am not Brandy. Normally, you can catch me right here on Webmaster Radio each Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern. I'm the host of Purse Strings. Hopefully, you've heard of it and even listened in from time to time. On Purse Strings, you can learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country, the woman. And today, however, I'm here with Cover Story, and I do have the pleasure of speaking with the woman, Melanie Magara, the Assistant Vice President for Public Affairs at Northern Illinois University. Now, Melanie and her team just walked away a very, very big winner at the 2009 Public Relations Society of America Silver Anvil Awards in New York just earlier this month. Now, Northern Illinois University won for their entry in the Crisis Communications Government category for their entry called Putting Lessons Learned to Work, Managing Communications after a campus shooting. Melanie, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Maria. It's a pleasure. Well, it's just really exciting to have you. You know, I I am in PR uh, full-time every day, so as a PR professional, you know, I can really truly understand the thrill you must have at being awarded the highest honor that PRSA can award, which is the coveted Best of Silver Anvil Award. So congratulations on that. Thank you so much. We were very excited to to win that award. Oh, I can only imagine. Can you share a little bit about that excitement and the accolades that you received uh, just earlier this month when you actually stepped on stage and, and took that silver anvil? Well, uh, actually, my excitement began uh, about a week uh, ahead of that when I uh, received word from PRSA that we had uh, not only won in our category but had been selected for the best of the Silver Anvil. I have to tell you that uh, uh, surprise doesn't begin to to describe our reaction. First of all, uh, this is the first award we ever applied for. Uh, and while I was fairly confident about uh, getting some serious consideration in the crisis communication uh, category, it never occurred to me we'd be considered for best of the silver anvil. So it was really very uh, humbling 
Um, also, sitting in the audience that night and hearing about the achievements of the other Silver Anvil winners, it was totally humbling. Uh, you know, so many of our counterparts from other organizations are doing such great uh, work, such worthwhile work, whether it's for veterans or breast cancer awareness or the environment. It, it just really made me proud that night to be part of the public relations profession. I know, I know. It truly does, doesn't it? I've sat in that audience before, and I've had the opportunity to walk on stage and, and get a silver anvil myself. And it is, you do feel humbled to be in that room with so many really talented people. You know, you almost feel like, I'm I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. <laughs> uh, but I have to <laughs> imagine that you went out and celebrated in a, in a large way that night. You know, uh I wouldn't. I don't think I'd use the word celebrate. And and the reason is that the tragedy that we experienced at NIU um, it left us with a very different feeling. I think the word that I would use is we were gratified. Um, mm-hmm. The five students that we lost, uh, they're never far from our minds. Um, the, the trauma that the campus experienced, it's never far from our minds, even though we're uh, going on a year and a half uh, uh, after that horrible event. Uh, but, you know, we all like to be told that we've done a good job. Uh, mm-hmm. When the work that we do actually helps pe- people heal their wounds or develop perspective or find a place to put something bad that has happened to them in their lives, that is really very gratifying and humbling. And so I wouldn't say that, uh, uh, you know, that we celebrated, but we certainly uh, uh, felt a great uh, great deal of satisfaction uh, at having been acknowledged for our work. Absolutely, and the work that keeps on giving, too, and we'll talk more about what you learned on that fateful day and how it's really transpired and made your university even stronger. And for those listening today, what we're talking about is what happened back in February of 2008. Um, Take yourself back. Um, I'm sure you heard the headlines. A gunman burst onto the stage of a huge lecture hall, firing into the audience of nearly 150 undergraduates. And as you said, Melanie, six people died that day, including the gunman, 19 others injured, and your university forever changed. Can you talk a little bit about the events um, of that day, of the shooting, which happened to be Valentine's Day? Yes, uh, it was Valentine's Day. It was a, a rather quiet uh, Thursday afternoon here in February in uh, in northern Illinois. We had snow on the ground. It was bitterly cold, uh, but a rather quiet day in our office. Um, uh, suddenly, uh, as if on cue, uh, at about 3.10 in the afternoon, all of our phones in the office began to ring. Uh, I picked up my phone, and it was a news reporter at the local uh, newspaper, the DeKalb Chronicle, who had heard something on the scanner about a shooting. Uh, with that, I uh, hung up. I called our police department and was told, yes, all the police were over at Cole Hall. There had been a shooting. I then called our president and he confirmed that there had indeed been a shooting, and I said, President Peters, we need to enact our emergency alert system immediately. Do I have your authorization? He said, go. And with that, we began uh, uh, the process that we had planned so carefully to uh, communicate with the campus, with our faculty and staff and students, uh, using every communications vehicle available to us. Um, The first messages out on the website and by email and voicemail and so forth were very simple. It was a gunman is on campus, uh, take cover, stay where you are, uh, lock doors, and avoid the coal hall area. Very simple. 
after that, information began flowing in fairly quickly. Uh, we later came to learn that the shooting itself had been a uh, very rapid fire, that the gunman had shot uh, into the audience from the stage, had then gotten off the stage and walked up and down the aisles of this uh, large lecture hall auditorium, firing into the crowd that there were a total of, I believe, 23 people who had been shot. Uh, sadly, uh, five of them uh, did die, and the gunman, of course, was the sixth victim, uh, uh, having killed himself at the end of his rampage. All of that information came together fairly quickly, but in the early minutes uh, uh, following our notification, it didn't seem so quick. Uh, uh, we uh, uh, really, really uh, were <clears throat> just inundated with calls, not only from the news media, but from parents, from students, from other uh, faculty and staff on campus, from people in the community. Uh, I, I just can't overemphasize how overwhelming it is when you're faced with something like this. Our office is one of those that people tend to call anyway when they want to know what's going on. Uh, in this instance, they very much knew that we wouldn't know what was going on. Uh, and so the, for the first uh, uh, hour or so, uh, our work was uh, very much minute by minute, just finding out the latest that we could and getting the word out. Uh, I think it was about oh, 35 or 40 minutes after that first alert <clears throat> that we were able to tell the campus that, um, in fact, the immediate danger had passed. So it, it, it was uh, it, uh, much of that is a, is a blur, frankly, the early moments. But I think that the point that I would want to emphasize to your listeners is that we had a plan in place for emergency communications that did not require us to have a meeting or go to a, uh, a document and look up uh, a procedure. We knew what we uh, had to do, and we were authorized to do it with no further uh, consultation. So that first emergency alert, um, the, the faster you can get that out, the better. And I was so, uh, I am so grateful to our leadership here at NIU for having um, uh, prepared for this eventuality and having authorized us to move ahead uh, so that we had word out to the campus within minutes uh, after the shooting uh, had concluded. Melanie, we're going to take a quick break, but you bring up a great point um, about being prepared. And when we come back, I do want to talk a little bit about why you were so prepared. And it actually has to do with another very high-profile campus shooting and then how it really helped you and empowered you to do what you had to do on that fateful Valentine's Day. So stick around. Um, coverage of the 2009 PRSA Silver Anvil Awards continues when Cover Story returns. Stay tuned for more 2009 PRSA Silver Anvil Awards coverage only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Stick around. Cover story. We'll be back after this short break. This is a test of the PR Web content and news delivery system from PR Web and PRWebAuthor.com. If this was a real release date, your story would reach more than 30,000 journalists, 250,000 RSS subscribers, and just over 30,000 unique websites. PR Web can reach your target audience online, drive traffic to your website, achieve high rankings on search engines, and get your content on top news sites like Yahoo News. Editors are available 24-7 to help you optimize your content for 
maximum exposure to over 70 million people in the U.S. alone. If this were a real PR web release date, your website would have so much traffic, you'd be tempted to duck and cover. If you have an online marketing emergency, go to PRWebOffer.com for 25% off. PRWeb, the premier online release news and content distribution service. Your company's website sucks. You know it. Everybody knows it. So get a to-do list to fix it. On Target, a subscription service from Future Now and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7. Analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it. So that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash on target. XYZ affiliate market. Are you an affiliate? If yes, you'll pay me. No if as a maybe. Get paid daily. Make a mad dash. Sign up is a flash. Quickly convert the clicks into cash. Affiliate marketing network is first place. I cut to the chase. It's all performance based. Listen to what I'm telling you. Cause this what you better do. Join as a publisher and maximize your revenue. Think we agreed that money is what you need. Indeed, you can get paid from sales and leads. Not one thing lacking. Even comes with state-of-the-art tracking. Where did it start? You can do it a couple ways. 866-XY7-PAYS. It's toll free. Tell me what you're waiting on. So log on to XY7.com. SEO 2009 PRSA Silver Anvil Awards. Once again, here's Maria Retail. And you are listening to our continuing coverage of the 2009 PRSA Silver Anvil Awards. And I'm joined today by Melanie McGuera, the Assistant Vice President for Public Affairs at Northern Illinois University. Melanie and her team were just awarded PRSA Silver Anvil's highest honor, the Best of Silver Anvil Award, earlier this month. And we've been talking about the crisis event that resulted in this Reward, award, the 2008 campus shooting at Northern Illinois University that unfortunately left multiple people dead, including the gunman. And Melanie, right before the break, um, you, you alluded to the fact that, well, actually came right out and said it. You know, you have to be prepared. You were prepared. You didn't have to have a meeting. You didn't have to huddle and decide how you were going to take control of the situation when the gunman opened fire. You knew exactly what to do. And in large part, that was because just a year before there, there had been a campus shooting at Virginia Tech. What did you learn from that shooting that ended up preparing you to handle your crisis? We learned a tremendous amount, and I want to say uh, uh, first and foremost how incredibly indebted we are to our counterparts at Virginia Tech. You know, my counterpart there, Larry Hinker, I don't think it was uh, an hour and a half or two hours after our shooting uh, that Larry reached out to me and called. And uh, our conversations became a, a daily or, or twice or three-time-a-day event for the following several weeks. He was just so gracious and helpful. Uh, I, I just I can never express my gratitude to him and to others at Virginia Tech for how uh, generous they were with their, their advice. But um, 
you know, after the Virginia Tech event, several uh, months later, six or eight months later, uh, uh, the state of Virginia commissioned and uh, and then uh, published a report on the Virginia Tech event. And uh, that report became the basis of a very intensive campus study here at NIU. Uh, the president appointed uh, a, a large group of people to uh, take a look at that report. I was uh, a member of the a group that looked at specifically at communications. And uh, we took that report apart and read it line by line, literally. And after every sentence, asked ourselves, did we do that? Do we do that? How would we respond if that happened? Uh, and so that exercise uh, really, uh, in and of itself, was tremendously helpful in our overall campus uh, crisis preparation, uh, uh, quite beyond just commu- the communications part. Um, you know, and just very specifically, Maria, I'll tell you just a few things uh, that we, we gleaned, both from our conversations with our counterparts there and from, from reading the report. First of all, um, uh, a couple of sort of um, um, perhaps pedestrian things, uh, and that is we learned how to technically take our website down, take it dark, and replace it with an all-crisis website. The website really became information central for us. It was so absolutely critical. You know, you've probably read this uh, either about our disaster or about others, that when you have a massive disaster like this, a crisis, cell phones uh, jam. Uh, there is not enough signal power to get calls out. When you have 25,000 students and 8,000 employees and heaven knows how many uh, other people in the community trying to get cell phone calls out, the cell phones uh, go dead. And so it really uh, increased the value and the importance of our website in terms of getting information out to people. Uh, and that was, that was critical for us to know how technically to uh, remove everything from the website and replace it with an all-crisis website. We learned that from the Virginia Tech uh, web people. Uh, the second thing that uh, we, we learned from them also has to do with the cell phone uh, issue. They told us that that had happened on their campus as well. And, uh, uh, and so uh, uh, in preparing for crisis, our IT people purchased six additional servers to support the website. And so at one point uh, uh, in the, the first 48 hours after the shooting, um, uh, the head of our IT called me and he said, you know, I just looked at the logs. We've had 14 million hits in the last uh, 48 hours, 14 million hits. That would have crashed our website had he not had the contact with our counterparts at VTAC and had he not had the foresight to purchase the extra servers so that the website would remain up. So those are a couple of uh, 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 kind of technical uh, issues, but they prove very important. From a more of a, um, uh, 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 I guess, strictly PR or theoretical standpoint, there were two things that I learned uh, that I uh, found very, very valuable when we had to sadly go through this ourselves. One was to concentrate our efforts on the media that cover us from day to day, and that would be the Chicago area news media. Uh, I remember Larry telling me, you know, the national media will sweep in and then they'll sweep out and they're done and they're on to the next big story. Take care of the people that take care of you every day. And we did that. It was very valuable because, you know, when you're faced with 300-plus reporters and you have reporters from every major national uh, uh, news outlet uh, descend on your campus or, or come to your company or, or wherever you work, it is very tempting to prioritize, uh, you know, uh, according to the pecking order. 
and and that's not the right way to do it. The national media, absolutely, we they needed to be treated uh, uh, with the same respect that we showed the other media. But in terms of the long term and going forward in the weeks and months ahead, we really emphasized those connections and accommodations with our local and regional media. Uh, and that was very important. And then finally, the thing I think that was so critical uh, uh, going forward is the folks at Virginia Tech talked to us about how important it was for us to maintain focus on the victims, taking care of the victims, taking care of their families, tending to their needs. Uh, it was so critical, not just in terms of public relations. I mean, we all know this. PR isn't just about what we say. It's about what we do. And I think that we did the right things when it came to caring for those who had been so devastated by this tragedy. Stick around. Um, coverage of the 2009 PRSA Silver Anvil Awards continues when Cover's story returns. Stay tuned for more 2009 PRSA Silver Anvil Awards coverage only on webmasterradio.fm. Stick around. Cover story. We'll be back after this short break. This is a test of the PR Web content and news delivery system from PR Web and PRWebAuthor.com. If this was a real release date, your story would reach more than 30,000 journalists, 250,000 RSS subscribers, and just over 30,000 unique websites. PR Web can reach your target audience online, drive traffic to your website, achieve high rankings on search engines, and get your content on top news sites like Yahoo News. Editors are available 24-7 to help you optimize your content for maximum maximum exposure to over 70 million people in the U.S. alone. If this were a real PR web release date, your website would have so much traffic, you'd be tempted to duck and cover. If you have an online marketing emergency, go to PRWebOffer.com for 25% off. PR Web, the premier online release news and content distribution service. Here's your bill. Thank you so much, guys. Hey, it's all right. I'll take care of the tab, Jason. Well, thanks, Dave. How are you doing so well these days? It seems everyone's in a pinch for cash. RevenueWire.com, that's how. RevenueWire? Yeah, RevenueWire.com is an all-in-one platform offering affiliates high-demand software from top-notch PC utility merchants. With 75% commissions, twice-monthly payouts, incredibly accurate analytics tools, RevenueWire is making me more money today than I did in the last few years put together. Even in this economy? Especially in this economy. RevenueWire has a ton of great products to meet the demand. I'm telling you, this network is recession-proof. RevenueWire, the recession-proof network platform. For more information, visit RevenueWire.com today. That's RevenueWire.com. Please hold while we connect you to one of the most sought-after experts in SEO, analytics, and web development. Office Hours with Vanessa Fox, Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host. Welcome back to our exclusive coverage of the 2009 PRSA Silver Anvil Awards. Once again, here's Maria Retain. And welcome back. You're listening to our continuing coverage of the 2009 PRSA Silver Anvil Awards. And I'm joined today by Melanie McGarrah 
the Assistant Vice President for Public Affairs at Northern Illinois University. And we've been talking about the shooting on her campus last February, a gunman walking into a huge classroom, opening fire, and killing five people, then himself. You were talking about um, really taking care of the victims um, involved in the in the situation that you had on your hands last Valentine's Day. Can you just restate um, the importance of that and how you had learned that from the Virginia Tech disaster? Yes. Uh, what I was saying earlier is that uh, uh, among the many uh, pieces of wisdom shared with us by our counterparts at Virginia Tech was a need to really focus on the victims uh, and to uh, uh, err on the side of, of charity in all things uh, regarding them, be they the uh, families of those who were killed or uh, the families of those uh, who were injured, the injured students themselves. You know, I think what I was saying earlier is that, uh, and, and I believe this deeply, that, that public relations is as much about what we do as it, as it, as it is what we say. Um, certainly, I, I hope that we said a lot of the right things and provided a lot of information. But, you know, more importantly, uh, our president, John Peters, uh, and his top uh, administration uh, focused like a laser on uh, seeing to the needs of those who had been traumatized and injured uh, and bereaved by this, this horrible incident. Um, president Peters and his, uh, and his top leaders uh, went to every funeral funeral every wake. They visited every injured student in the hospital. Uh, they visited with every family. Uh, they established a, a specific office called the Office of Support and Advocacy, which continues to this day to see to the needs of those most affected by the tragedy. I think that victim focus uh, and that uh, just doing the right thing by those who uh, were so uh, uh, traumatized and injured by this, by this horrible incident. Well, you know, you. Um, I was reading through your summary, um, what you had submitted for consideration to the Silver Anvils, and I noticed that you had two other crises before the February incident that appeared to provide you really that, that trial run, if you will, um, to get all the kinks out before really what happened in February. Can you tell us just really briefly about those? Yes, uh, the first one came uh, in late August before that school year began, the, the, the day before school was to start. We had a torrential downpour after weeks and weeks of rain here, and we had a flood on campus, uh, and we had to uh, send everyone home, and we had to enact our emergency communications plan because the waters were rising so quickly. In fact, I got a call from the university police saying, Melanie, move your car, it's floating in the parking lot. Uh, so it was really uh, something that had to be attended to very quickly, uh, and, and that was one uh, sort of trial run, practice run, if you will, in terms of our communications plan. The second one was a little more ominous. Uh, it uh, occurred uh, in December of that year. And uh, in one of our residence halls, uh, someone scrawled a threat on a bathroom wall. Uh, and uh, while certainly, um, as you can imagine, in college dorms, there are all manner of graffiti all the time. However, this one was troubling. Uh, it uh, was racially charged, and it mentioned Virginia Tech. And uh, that was enough in the judgment of law enforcement for us to, to close the school for a day uh, as it was investigated. It did turn out to be a, a hoax. It turned out to have nothing whatsoever to do with uh, the event that uh, ultimately did happen to us uh, in February. But it was another trial run for us in terms of, uh, of having to very quickly notify the campus of an emergency. Well, it's been more than a year now, and I have to imagine that, as, as I said before, that your, your university campus has forever changed. Can you talk a little bit about how this event a year ago, February, has really 
uh, created somewhat of a new campus, um, not only with your students and staff, and, but around faculty awareness as well. Well, I think uh, first and foremost, when you go through something like this, it, it certainly gives you the uh, the gift of perspective. Uh, it gives you a, a real sense of what's important and what's not. And I think the other thing that it did was it did draw people together. It did give us all a greater appreciation for each other. You know, this this award went to to my office and 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 to my staff, but it, this this award absolutely belongs to the entire Northern Illinois campus community because the reactions to this horrible tragedy were so uh, loving and so compassionate. Uh, I just can't imagine a a greater uh, response to what could have been uh, a very polarizing event on our campus, and instead it it really uh, pulled us closer together. In terms of of preparedness and awareness, um, yes, certainly uh, we are on um, a a much higher sense of, of of alert, if you will, as a campus community than we were before this. And I don't think unnecessarily so. I don't think people are walking around here in a state of fear. But, uh, you know, it can happen here. It can happen anywhere. And just knowing that, uh, I think, makes people take things more seriously. Um, it makes people, for example, um, take to heart uh, admonitions that, Perhaps they've heard from their parents or others for years about, you know, when you go into a big uh, room uh, or a strange area, take a look around you and see if you know where the exits are. Uh, make sure uh, that you know where gathering places are in your building that you work in in the event of a tornado or some other disaster. Overall, there is a much higher level of awareness on our campus about emergency preparedness. Talk a little bit about what you've done with your crisis preparedness plan since then. I mean, I have to assume it's a living, breathing plan. And with the onset of Twitter and what's been happening with Twitter, I mean, you look at what's going on in Iran right now with Twitter. Have you looked at incorporating new technologies, new communications, such as Twitter, in trying to get the word out the next time, and let's hope there isn't a next time there's a crisis? Yes, absolutely. Um, we had, uh, as part of our plan uh, at the time of our crisis, we had incorporated uh, uh, monitoring and uh, posting to Facebook. It was interesting. Uh, we really didn't have to. Uh, students were posting to Facebook the information that we posted on the web almost instantaneously. And so there's a very large Facebook, uh, uh, NIU uh, Facebook uh, uh, network uh, that has, oh, I don't know, 36 or 38,000 members. And uh, uh, all of the information that we were posting was reposted. We did also post to that network um, additional information. But, you know, that was not at that time uh, a major part of our plan. It certainly is now. We have an official Facebook presence. We have an official Twitter presence. And we would use all of those um, uh, uh, new, new media, social media, uh, in the event of a, of a new crisis. Uh, or uh, God forbid that there be another one. But if we had another one, we certainly are much better prepared now than we were then to use social media um, for emergency alerts. The other thing that we didn't have uh, then that we have now is text messaging. And uh, that is actually under the auspices of our police department, and that makes sense. They're here 24-7. We're not. Uh, I often tell people uh, uh, about our events that, you know, if it had happened at 3 a.m. instead of 3 p.m., I think we would be in a much different place. 
Um, I think we would still have enacted our plan, and we would have done our best, but the fact of the matter is we wouldn't have been here at 3 a.m. And so, uh, uh, you know, all of those things have to be taken into consideration, and it has to be a partnership with law enforcement and with others on campus. Uh, It's not the job of just any one office to to deal with uh, crisis communications. Absolutely. Well, Melanie, for everyone listening out out there today, uh, on their behalf, thank you so very much for being on Cover Story today. Your story is quite remarkable, and congratulations on your Silver Anvil Awards, and really, honestly, for successfully handling such a huge crisis on your campus. It sounds as if your university system is just stronger because of it, and that's, that's really the greatest reward, isn't it? It is, and, and thank you very much for, for having me on. Absolutely. And next week on Cover Story, we're going to conclude our coverage of the 2009 PRSA Silver Anvil Awards. Brandy will welcome back the chair of the Silver Anvil's Awards Committee, Jim Roop, and the chair of the PRSA Honors and Awards Committee, Joyce Truben Curry. They're back to recount all of the happenings of this year's Silver Anvil Awards ceremony. It's been my pleasure to spend some time with you today. Brandy will be back next week. In the meantime, check out Purse Strings if you have the opportunity each Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern. Make it a great day. You have been listening to our exclusive coverage of the 2009 PRSA Silver Anvil Awards, only on webmasterradio.fm.